Well, cool, man. Um, I have a lot to ask you about. Um, I guess it would be prudent to kind of speak about 2022. You know, we're here, new year. What do you think uh, is going to be happening? I don't know how big you are into astrology. I know that there are some significant events happening in the uh, the planet world. Uh, Pluto's return for America being the largest amongst them, as well as some significant eclipses uh, amongst, I think it's uh, Taurus and Scorpio. So what do you think is coming in 2022? Do you think we've left all the craziness in the past or do you think it's all going to accelerate? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I really hope so. I'm hoping for the best, but kind of mentally preparing for the worst. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure the last time this Pluto return happened, it was like the Revolutionary War, correct? Correct, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of see something similar happening. Um, it seems like January 6th might be a big day, honestly. Um, yeah. Just because it's 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 the uh, anniversary of the Capitol riot or the insurrection, whatever. Yeah. And um, Trump is supposedly doing a speech that day. And um, I've been seeing all this stuff online about how there is no, um, there's no movies playing from the 6th up until the 13th at, in any place in the world right now. I did um, see that. And I checked, you know, local cinema near me, not, nothing. But I, I have seen a few people who replied, oh, yeah, I can book mine. So it's not, you know, 100%, but it's significant enough that you would think like, hmm, what's going on? What do you think that could possibly be? Right. So I was thinking maybe that had something to do with that cyber pandemic that they've been talking, that the World Economic Forum has been talking about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking maybe something like that would happen, but it wouldn't be as bad as we all expected. Like, it wouldn't be like 10 days of darkness like the Q people were talking about. Yeah. Maybe it would just be a few days of no power or just no internet. Maybe that give them a chance to kind of rid of all the conspiratorial content that's going on online. Um, mm. But like I said, I think that I, I think this might be like another revolutionary type period. Um, and I think people are just like getting fed up and sick of this stuff. So if they do try to do some other lockdown or implement more draconian um, control measures, I think people are going to fight back and we might see the roaring 20s, hopefully. Yes. That's what I want. That's what I desire. <laughs> I think mm -hmm. it's, mm -hmm. it's inevitable, right? Like you have, there's only so long you can just repeat the same process. Uh, I know even amongst, you know, my most normie of friends, it's, it's, it's really obvious, you know, I've heard hearing reports in England and stuff. It's like, once you get to the third shot, fourth shot, it's like, uh, okay. Like you can't fool someone that many times unless they're willingly buying into it uh, and get the same kind of results as you did at the start of this whole thing. So, you know, I, there's the perspective of it, of it all being necessary and all of this, you know, turmoil, emotional turbulence, stress, all of that creates some sort of resilience uh, in yourself in any situation that you go through in life. But as a, at a collective level, the population can only kind of raise in consciousness by going through bad times. So why don't you speak a little bit about that? I know it's, it's, it's a deeply esoteric kind of belief and principle. Um, 
that light can't come without the darkness, so on and so forth. And I know you, you yourself have probably been through a somewhat of a dark night of the soul in order to get to the level of consciousness and awareness that you have yourself now. So what, what has that journey meant for you and how does that relate to what we're going through as a society today? Yeah, no, um, the whole COVID thing, I mean, it could definitely be seen as like a collective dark night of the soul. Um, it does seem like <clears throat> the past couple of years, the collective has been forced to face its own shadow. And yeah. you know, a lot of people, a lot of people were talking about how the whole event seemed to be some sort of initiatory, like ritual in a way. I mean, everyone was wearing masks and uh, standing six feet apart, similar to yeah. how people do, do satanic rituals. Um, and yeah, like you said, I mean, how it. How much can people be? Normal friends, like my brother who works in the medical field, um, works at hospitals and works with, you know, really smart people. We used to argue all the time about, oh, you just haven't seen the data. You haven't seen the data, but he's all boosted and stuff and just got COVID and now he's quarantining himself. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, I don't wish for you to be sick, but you know, I hate to say I told you so. Like, I haven't got any of these vaccines or any boosters, and I haven't been to the doctor in like ten years. So, like, what does that tell you? And yeah. he's like, you could. He's like, you could be right. And I'm like, I don't think there's another explanation. I mean, yeah. just like, it's it's illogical at this point. And yeah, there. But my uh, my other thought about it is is that this could be like a double or multi-layered psyop where, you know, I think there might actually be something to the Q stuff and the Trump stuff, not saying that Q and Trump are saviors, but I do think that it was another part of the social engineering of, you know, dividing America even more. I think what they're doing is, uh, you know, they did do this weird initiation and I think they're initiating us into a new, quote unquote, golden age of technology. You know, I think after all of this is over and we do go back to prosperous times, this will have something to do with, um, you know, making crypto mainstream, maybe releasing a bunch of new technology, UFO disclosure. I mean, UFO disclosure happened right as the pandemic was happening which i find really weird you know they chose to do it right as no one was paying attention yeah but I, but i think when times get good again they're still going to continue to get stranger and stranger yeah yeah it's it's not going back to the way it was but i think it's all super necessary and it comes down to the choice that we individually have like you can't control other people's reactions and you can't mm -hmm. control how they think about this whole situation what you can control is how you react to what's going on and you know what you can control in your life and your actions so that needs to be the main focus for yourself is for the next year no matter what happens or and all the years thereafter how can you be the best expression of yourself the most loving version of yourself in terms of you know the highest level of vibrational energy you can emit because we are all nodes in this network uh, of, right. of energy of people and the more that we can do that and the less we can give into fear and the less we buy into the fake narrative that, that they are trying to put in uh through you know social media and everything 
the less we do that, then that's the best thing we can do. That's the best action we can take. And that's all under our control. Now, if you try and wrestle with these things, oh, that's illogical. Oh, how can you believe that angry typing? You are feeding uh, energy towards it. Even if you think you're fighting against it, you're feeding energy towards it. So, yeah, yeah. And, and, and this is kind of related to something you've tweeted before about before is that these, these people are magicians. They know that human consciousness co-creates reality based on what the mind believes to be true and real. And everyone has uh, some level of power to kind of create that principle through themselves and their own mind and what they focus on and what their beliefs are, what they believe to be true and real. This process is amplified when instilled in the crowd consciousness. And that's what they aim to do through mainstream media. If they can get the crowd to believe a certain thing, they are funneling millions of people's attention into creating a reality that they desire. So through all of these psyops and media things, they project what they want into your mind. So you end up building it for them. You end up using your consciousness to create this reality that is better for them. It's not good for you um, for the most part. So understanding that and then consciously moving your attention to things that can benefit you and you know, the stuff that exists outside of that matrix is probably the most return on interest thing you can do rather than, you know, convincing others for the most part. Right. Yeah. I 100% agree. I mean, I was on a, another podcast um, earlier this month and I was talking about how, <clears throat> you know, an alarm clock that goes off too early, you know, is just going to piss someone off. You know, they're going to shut it off and, mm. and be like, you know, I'm going, I'm going right back to bed. So, <laughs> Go back to sleep. Right. So I think that, yeah, we should focus less on trying to wake other people up and force it down their throats and rather just, you know, kind of plant the seeds and lead by example. Like I think when we, um, you know, so you, you brought up earlier, like, have I ever gone through a dark night of the soul? And yeah, personally, my super dark night of the soul. I mean, I've had a few, you know, yeah. a few bouts of like depression and just like hopelessness in the world or whatever. Yeah. But my my fir my first really intense one was back in 2012, and so 2020 was actually like the most exciting, prosperous year of my life. Yeah. And that's Same. because I that <laughs> I think it was for a lot of the people that I had, had gone through an awakening prior to the quote unquote great awakening. You know. Yeah. Because like we had been used to living in uncertainty and chaos. We knew that the world was unstable. We knew that everything was always in flux while, you know, the, the vast majority of normal people were, you know, striving for solidity and certainty and, you know, a safe, stable life, you know, for all of their, all of their time here. So, yeah. So, yeah, I think one thing we can do is just embrace uncertainty, embrace kind of the yeah. chaotic nature of life and just kind yeah. of go with the flow. But, you know, while also learning to steer it kind of, you know, controlled chaos rather than just totally being adrift. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so like you said, I think a lot of this was necessary for the masses because, you know, I don't think they can straight up tell us that, you know, everything's fake, everything's controlled, you know, it's gotta be a slow drip and it's just gotta look yeah. so ridiculous that eventually you're forced to wake up. So I think this is, the stranger things get, it's like the alarm clock getting louder and louder and louder until people yeah. can no longer sleep anymore. Yeah. So what do you think is but, the distinction? But, oh yeah. Go on. 
No, I apologize. You also said something about uh, these people being magicians and, you know, basically trying to feed us their perception of reality and basically us <clears throat> co-creating it for them. So, yeah, I agree. Obviously, I mean, that was an idea I wrote about a long time ago. My ideas are always changing, but I still do believe that's true. And I believe that has something to do with quantum physics and the observer effect. Mm -hmm. and, and I do think that this reality is uh, dark by nature. Um, you know, it is like a soul trap or, you know, some sort of spiritual school or whatever, but we come here, you know, like an intellectual, one of my favorite quotes is an intellectual knows that the world is a dark place, but a wise man creates his own light. So I think we come into this dark place mm. to, to learn how to make it brighter. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the purpose of these dark rabbit holes of conspiracy. You know, you go down the rabbit hole and you, you become a little bit crazy. But if you finally and inevitably come to the conclusion that the rabbit hole never ends, yeah. you know, you, you're like, okay, well, I'm done getting lost in Wonderland. I'm going to, you know, just like you, like you were talking about, it's just, you know, create my own version of reality. Because there's so many different versions of reality that we can entertain and get lost in. So why not just create the best one? you know, for myself. <clears throat> yeah. And everyone has the potential to do that. And it's kind of the guiding principle behind a lot of, you know, religions or <clears throat> esoteric schools of thought is this idea that whatever you focus on and whatever you believe to be possible and that you are capable of will be the version of reality that, you know, you bring into your mind. Every person that's done great things will tell you that they had to visualize and believe it was possible, whatever it is they wanted to achieve and see it happening in their mind's eye before it ever would, like that doesn't happen on accident without that. Now, right. does that mean some people that are against the esoteric side of it will think, okay, so the person that believes it's possible is gonna be the one taking the action to do so. Uh, and that's what creates their, their victory or whatever. And that's true on some level. That's like, you have to have that. But there's also the kind of unseen workings behind the scenes of your mind exerting its force on the universal mind to bring about other uh, connections and synchronicities that thus lead you to that desired outcome. Have you experienced that in your life? Oh, 100%. I mean, yeah, back in 2018, before I released my first book, I was, I actually had kind of given up a little bit on my dreams. Um, so I decided just to go to college. I was like, all right, well, fuck it. I mean, if none of this stuff is happening for me. Yeah. I'm gonna just take this, I'm gonna just take the simple route and go to school and study philosophy because you know, I'm sick of landscaping. I want to use my mind for my job. I feel like when you, you know, work in the realm of ideas, you're not so limited to the amount of money you can make and landscaping just wasn't cutting it for me anymore. Like I could barely yeah. make a living. Yeah. So I was like, all right, well, maybe I should get a degree like everyone says, and I'll try and get a degree in something that I actually care about. So I'll try and pick like the middle, like between the two. Yeah. And, uh, and, um, but while I was doing all that, I was like, well, you know, let's, you know, maybe it's not possible to achieve what I want to achieve because that's what, you know, everyone's always told me my whole life, it's unrealistic. So maybe it's not possible. But while I have my backup plan, I'm just going to every day do all these practices that 
you know, I've been learning about recently, like, um, you know, I'm going to visualize and meditate every morning and do affirmations and write my goals down in a journal. Yeah. And, and I was doing all of that, but, um, you know, I wasn't holding on too tightly. Like I wasn't like, Oh, this has to happen. This has to happen now. Yeah. And, you know, just one day randomly, um, inspired by philosophy class, ironically, because we were learning to write, you know, essays about these crazy ideas. I just did a quick write up about the Saturn time cube, you know, for myself. Yeah. You know, I was like, Oh, now that I know how to write things like articulately and like, you know, and I don't sound like a crazy person telling people, you know, Saturn controls the, the world, you know, yeah. how I can explain it and how it makes sense. I'm going to do an essay just for myself, just for the fun of it. And I ended up posting it on Twitter, which was weird for me at the time because my Twitter was mostly just my personal friends and like me posting like dumb jokes and stuff yeah. like that. And so I randomly posted that thread and I didn't expect anything to come from it, but then I, that went viral. And then I posted a few more essays I'd written for fun and those went viral. And then like, you know, everything I'd been writing about in my journal and visualized came true. Yeah. Yeah, it's, th there's like you, you personally, it's very rare for you to see the exact path that it happens. And if looking back in the last two years of my own life to, for me to predict everything that's happened that has gotten me to where I want to go in terms of my long-term goals, but the path is a massive zigzag, like the yes, tw yes. twists and turns. And like, you know, when I was at college and working my jobs and then doing a bit of travel and like, it all feeds into the same thing, even though I didn't see it at the time. And what's crucial is to, again, kind of trust the uncertainty uh, of life and intuitively listen to your gut feeling a lot of the time and hold those guiding principles of what you want to achieve in your mind's eye the whole time. If you are open to your intuition and you are putting in the work and everything, uh, I refuse to believe that it doesn't work for anyone. Right, yeah. I, th I do believe that it always does work. And that's, you know, I've been coming, like, you know, part of these dark night of the soul experiences I've been having, you know, has led me more towards believing in God. But that's same. one thing I can't... <laughs> Dude, I feel like everyone's on the same page about that lately, or at least a lot of the people I talk to about this stuff. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I can't get away from the power of manifestation and synchronicity and stuff like that. And like you were saying, like, trusting in the uncertainty, it's like, I, I honestly believe God has a more chaotic nature. Like when you are living in uncertainty, life is more like a blank canvas in front of you. You know, it's not all yeah. set up where, yeah. where you know exactly what's going to happen. And then you, yeah. you know, then you're unconsciously creating that because you're already expecting those certain things to happen. True. So when you start True. doing, so when you start, so when you start doing those random things and new things and meeting random people, you're just literally increasing the probability for chance encounters and lucky finds and. Yeah. And, and just like abnormal, meaningful coincidences in general. Yeah. It, it, it's, it goes as far as like, you're not going to experience magic if you are just sitting in your basement at home on your computer, writing on Twitter or whatever. Like, yes, there's work to be done. And yes, there's, there's some merit in, you know, creating content and all that. But, and that's a positive use of time. Some people are just on the computer in their room, not doing anything you saw. But right. even then, if you're positively putting out content thing, yes, that's good. That's going to get you results. But you have to leave your house for magic to happen. And you can consume a lot of stuff and read a lot of stuff. But 
even if it's just going for a walk and not understanding why you're walking the way you want to or just walking until you find a store that looks interesting and then you bump to someone you have a conversation and like things like that have led to connections or friendships for me that would never have happened if i hadn't left the house of course so it needs to be this you know magical experience where you just go with the flow and open yourself up to like you said you you increase the chances of amazing things happening to you the more that you break routine and the more that you do things that aren't routine because if if you go to the same job you drive the same way you get the same lunch you speak to the same people you emotionally react the same way one your body isn't going to get anything different so it's going to start to decay because it gets used to these you know patterns of thought but then your brain is also not going to be able to ex expand it's not going to have any new challenging experiences or eye-opening experiences to then connect further dots to so a lot of people ask me you know i'm a young guy how do i decide what i want to do like what do i study how do i start making money like it's less of a logical uh, step as such. And there are some steps you can take, like putting out the content or, you know, reaching out to clients and learning a skill and studying and practicing. And that's one side of it. But the other side of it is just putting yourself out there, talking to random people, uh, being in new environments and taking a left where you usually would take a right. And you never know where that may lead you. Right. And, you, you know, you were saying that the path to your to your manifestation is always a zigzag um and i think that you know that's what makes life interesting is like to embrace the chaos and you know you're supposed to steer that chaos you know have that controlled chaos while visualizing a, and holding a goal in your mind yeah like you know if people are trying to figure out what they want to do i mean i can't help them with that i honestly think everyone deep down really really knows yeah but but the path to that thing like you said, it's always going to be a zigzag. And I don't think life would be interesting at all if we knew the exact path it was going to take. That's what makes yeah. it still fun yeah. and some and a synchronistic adventure because, you know, you're going, what, what would be the purpose of living if you knew exactly how you were going to do things? So, yeah, that's, that's the most interesting part about manifestation to me is that you can manifest any goal you want in your life, but you'll never know how you're going to get there. And that's what makes it so just interesting. Um, I yeah, think I mean... I think I lost my train of thought. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think this going back to the point you said about um, you know coming back to belief in God, um, seeing spirituality as surrendering to the divine interconnection between everything, and spirituality as giving up your need to control life enables you to sink into a beautiful experience more rather than worrying about every little minor detail that doesn't really matter in the end. And that, once you realize that is how it all works, there is kind of no other option than to believe in God. And I was raised at school uh, Anglican and I inherently rejected the teachings because, and I think this is an issue with how Christianity is kind of, uh, delivered in a in a lot of ways today is that it's like believe this this is what happened uh don't question it don't discuss it and so on and th there's no connection between like truly how life seems to work with that divine connection and it's just like this is you know the church kind of 
defined it a certain way. And if you are somewhat of a free thinker and you did question it and didn't understand why it, it, it didn't make sense, then you, I just rejected it in my own experience. And it kind of was like a loop back to understanding and researching the kind of original teachings and, you know, reading the Bible, my own interpretation with a kind of metaphysical lens and understanding that God is within ourselves. And we have a spiritual connection to that force. And we are all part of that, that experience of life and the magic for, you know, that happened as a result of that belief that led to me to coming back to, you know, believing in God. And, you know, I, I think the, the shoebox kind of nature of putting into a certain religious aspect um, made me inherently reject it at a younger age, but now I've kind of come back to it. And I think that happens to a lot of people. Yeah. And actually, <clears throat> you know, I wasn't raised really to be religious at all. You know, we, my family growing up, we would go to a Lutheran church, you know, for like Easter and Christmas, but that was really it, you know, and it wasn't shoved down my throat or anything. It, by the time I was in my adolescence, I was pretty much an atheist and I thought the Bible was like full of fairy tales and I just thought it sounded ridiculous. And I was, you know, obsessed with like the History Channel and Discovery Channel and watching like, um, you know, just like <clears throat> those shows about the universe and yeah you know the stephen hawking stuff like all that stuff but um you know there was always like three questions that would linger in my mind that were not necessarily scientific but i just always wondered about them and that was why is there government why is there money and poverty and why is there war i just didn't understand those things like you know if we're so advanced these ideas don't really make sense because they don't work yeah um and it wasn't until I was like 15 or 16 that one of my friends just showed me a documentary about the Denver airport that I was just like, you know, my friend, he didn't even care about it that much. He was just like, oh yeah, dude, this is interesting. Check it out. But as soon as I watched this inter or this documentary, I became obsessed with this idea of the Illuminati because that answered all my questions. I was like, oh, money, war, poverty, government, it all, you know, it just clicked for me. Yeah. And so that started my descent down the rabbit hole of conspiracy and occult and esotericism. But, you know, very recently, we were talking about just trusting in the uncertainty of God's plan. You know, I think, you know, Carl Jung said something like there's a secret cosmos in every chaos or something like that, or a secret order in every disorder. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, so that's like the third book I'm working on. It, it, introduction starts off by talking about that i mean i just recently went on a two-month-long road trip and i had no idea where i was going to go or who i was going to meet but i just knew it needed to be done because i felt too stagnant like i had wrote and yeah. talked about everything i wanted to write and talk about but i was like okay it's time to just like kind of practice what you preach and go throw yourself out there yeah and it seemed like i was being taken care of every step of the way like yeah yeah i i think god's I think God's more likely to intervene when you are lost at sea. You know, he, that, yeah. that's when the real that's when the real adventure happens. And I, I think the opposite of God is everything that is certain. It's the things that are way too overly orderly. It's it's the routine of the beast system. You know, it's yeah. going to work nine to five. It's being trapped in your little box boxed in life. Yeah. And eventually, I think we're going to see that manifest more and more with the 
the metaverse, you know, the AI getting involved in the law system and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, and, and another part that made me believe in God is, you know, I was talking about earlier about how I think there might be something to this like golden age and Q and Trump and all that stuff. Honestly, I think we might see like, we, like I said, COVID might've been an initiatory experience into a whole new paradigm, but this paradigm could be Luciferian maybe where it's like, oh, people are going to be introduced to the false light after everyone is exposed to the dark. So it's yeah. like Satan versus Lucifer. And I think we're going to be seeing, you know, like a lot more of these like people like base making religions based around aliens. And we might get some stuff thrown at us about time travel and free energy tech and Tesla. And I think it's all just another layer of the psyop going mm. forward. But, um, I'm still, regardless, I'm still looking forward to those times because like life is becoming a movie and I think it's just going to get more exciting, honestly. I can't wait to see what happens. And that's like my way of still looking at it in a positive light. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it because, you know, it's happening. Life is happening the way that it is. You can choose to live your life in a state of resistance and being upset that it's playing out the way that it is and saying oh this is horrible this is the worst we got to go like yeah in a perfect world that you could control ideally in terms of your experience then maybe you could change a few things and then you'll be happier or whatever but right but you know that that, that's like being a, a cow in a in a in a fucking paddock and like having your water the right way and the grass is all green but do you want to live like that? Do you want to live just kind of in a safe environment where everything's good and everything's chill and, you know, you don't have these problems to solve? It's like, no, because that, like you said, that would be boring. So you can choose to live in a state of resistance to what is and what's playing out in front of you or because it's happening and because you don't have control over it to enjoy it and enjoy the ups and downs and whatever happens and understanding again, that kind of giving up your your sense of control is experiencing everything and enjoying it all. And that's in itself, like you go back to, you know, attracting better things. That is the way to get yourself out of the bad situation that you feel resistance to and acceptance of that. Right. And so, yeah, another way, you know, to be better going forward into 2022, another way to deal with this chaos is I think taking kind of a stance of neutrality at, at certain points. I mean, obviously, if you see something really horrible going on right in front of you, you know, yeah. try and do something to yeah. take care of the situation. But, you know, I think too often, like you were saying, like, oh, people think that they know how to make the world better. Well, if God, you know, I don't think we can understand God's plan. Like to us, it probably appears like the world is in total chaos. But we, we don't know what's best for the world. And, you know, because it's so, God's mind is so much more infinite than ours and our perspective is so limited. So while we see all this chaos, it's like, well, when we go out to the streets and we're, you know, protesting and fighting people and be like, no, my ideas are right. And this is how we fix the world. You know, we're just reaching our hand in the water and shaking it up and just, you know, making the waters more muddy. Like, I think what would make things really better is we just, you know, chilled out and let it still, you know, let it clear itself. Yeah. we're just fucking shit up. Like we don't, if, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know what we're doing. And it's, it's, I like to compare it to um, 
like you know have you ever seen like a bug on the road or like on the sidewalk like a worm or something you're like oh god this guy's not gonna get to the other side of the sidewalk i want to help him out yeah and then you you pick him up and then you throw him in the grass somewhere and you know while he's getting picked up and tossed in the yard he might be like probably thinking like oh my god holy shit what the fuck is happening this is awful yeah yeah and yeah he's fine, and, and then he's finally <laughs> like you know in the, in the safe place area actually, yeah 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 that's a great way to put it we're being tossed around by god's hand and so many people will say to me and i've heard them say like i never knew why these things were happening to me and i thought it was bad but looking back they were all the best things that could have happened to me. And one of the main things that you can instill into your, or you should instill into your brain is to see rejection as divine redirection. Rejection as divine redirection. So whether or not you think that a certain opportunity, job, relationship, um, you know, moving country, whatever it is, if that doesn't happen for you, just trust that there's a reason for that. And, you know, in a year's time, you might realize it with, with perspective and with a view back. You've been picked up off the road where you're about to get run over by a car uh, and, and then put back. Um, my friend once said that if you have, if you ignore an intuitive kind of feeling and try and pursue something, uh, you get one try and maybe a second kind of message back. Like if something doesn't work twice, and then you still try and push it, then you deserve whatever happens after that. And I, I think that this is where the idea of becoming flexible comes in, is that if you're not flexible, you might try and force things that don't work. And that is going to lead to negative consequences because you can't let go of the plan that you made when you didn't have the right experience and knowledge that you may do now. Right. Well, I mean, things that aren't flexible, you know, they bend when they break. And yeah. I think it was, I think it was Alan Watts who said, you know, the most insane person is the person who's sane all the time. Yes. But, yeah. <laughs> I do yeah. agree with you that I think, uh, I think three is the three tries is the magic amount until yeah. you, you know, kind of give up and take a go at something else. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I personally am glad and I'm happy that a lot of the things in my life that I wanted to work out that didn't work out happened the way they did because I wouldn't have had all the experiences that I do have right now that, you know, I never would have went, went on my road trip. I never would have wrote my book. I never would have, you know, if everything had gone as planned, I would have went to college way earlier and probably been like an architect or something. Cause that's what I was interested in at the time. And I yeah. don't think, <laughs> I don't think a person <laughs> like me, like me would be very happy doing that. No. Um, you know, one, the classic example that I've, I've mentioned before is, you know, when I was applying for finance internships and, you know, the, the big four companies uh, back in the day, if I got those, I was rejected from them. You know, I got, got some interviews, but then ultimately didn't get a position. But if I got those, would I still be trapped in that, you know, matrix of its own of like the ridiculous 70 hour, 90 hour work weeks? Um, with not much free time, my health would have decreased. Like I'm sure I would have found my way back to what I'm meant to be doing, which I believe is this, you know, the, the divine mandate of intuition that we all have, but maybe it would have been longer. And like, it, it was always, and I knew this at the time, it was always like, not something I wanted to do, but because you have the societal influences of family and just kind of expected, and maybe that's what all your friends are doing. 
that's what you pursue. And I ultimately would have been unhappy about it. And at the time I felt like a failure because mm-hmm. why, why, why wouldn't they want to employ me, you know, blah, blah, blah. But looking back, it was awesome. And thank God that I didn't get those positions. <laughs> Yeah, man. I, I, I remember seeing all my friends like move on with their lives and like yeah. getting houses and getting married and having stable jobs. And I was so jealous and so upset. And I, I felt like a failure as well. But like, you know, nowadays I'm, I'm not trying to be arrogant or be any type of way towards these people. But, you know, looking at some of them now, I mean, some are doing really well and are really happy. But, you know, looking at some of them now, it's like, they're not super happy with where they are. They're doing the same thing every day. They meet up at the same bars, you know, and they're not going on any life-changing adventures. Like I love the freedom that, you know, what I'm doing now has been able to provide me and, you know, actually experiencing the magic of life is, you know, it was worth all the years of hardship. I would, you know, and now, like I said, people are actually coming around to understand that, oh shit, you know, trying to seek stability my whole life hasn't worked out to be very stable at all. You know, so many people are losing their jobs because of you yeah. know, what, what's going on. And that's the true nature of things. History has never been stable ever. Yeah. Stability is, you know, yeah. A hamster in a on a wheel has stability to some level and it's small little cage, like cool, stable life, but not very interesting. And you're not really going to get you're not going to give the experience of life that you could. And going back to the idea, I want to delve into this a little bit is that this world, uh, this 3d dimension that we find ourselves in this playground of earth, where we are spiritual beings, having a human experience. Um, what is that kind of principle? And maybe if you could speak about whether you believe in past lives and, you know, this idea that, we have come here to learn a certain lessons um, and that we as spiritual beings, although we have forgotten it, we came here with the conscious intention to live out a certain paradigm within this life. And we will go through many cycles of this until we learn the lessons that we can from this 3D world and then ascend to the other dimensions. Um, so like I said, because I've been looking into the Bible more and more lately, I'm not sure where I stand on past lives anymore. I mean, intuitively, it still makes sense. Um, there's a lot of super interesting examples like General Patton, who some people say, uh, you know, Donald Trump was the reincarnation of him. They look exactly the same. I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure, uh, General Patton died six months before Trump was born and General Patton even had this whole book. Um, recounting all of his past lives like uh, apparently he could remember all them and then you know you have all these examples of of children uh, who are being born like right now in this new weird time where you know they you know I think there's this one kid who said like oh I was a pilot during World War II and he was able to recount everything in like perfect detail take people places and and name certain names but you know I don't know if people will be uh, disappointed with this answer but lately I've been starting to think that the most spiritual thing we can do is literally just be human. I mean, we're going to have eternity to spend in heaven or hell or, you know, whatever other dimension we go to when we leave this place. Um, Perhaps Bardo, I don't, I don't know. But um, so if we have eternity to do all that, we just, we should appreciate this 3D experience for what it is and just kind of like 
you know, fully immerse ourselves in it. There's no point in distracting ourselves with the afterlife when mm. all we all we know for a fact is that this life is right here, right now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's the best takeaway from it. Uh, I know a lot of people kind of balk at the idea. Oh yeah, past lives, bro, schizo kind of thing. That's that's the response. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, but you know, there, there is some compelling evidence, like what you kind of just mentioned, and other stuff that I've read. You know, if you if you have quote unquote irrational fears that you might have had, uh, I know of friends that have kind of had these rational fears, then had a, a past lives re regression reading done, and they will have ex been explained to them independent of this medium uh, asking them any questions about it. You know, they hadn't mentioned this rational fear, but they said, oh, in your past life, uh, your house burned down and you died in it. And then they'd had an irrational fear of their house burning down and they could never really put it together. They'd never had any experiences in this life about it. But then, you know, where does that come from? Is that a coincidence? Like the, things like that where, you know, reincarnation is this idea that's present in a lot of religions uh, and a reincarnation was taken out of the Bible by, I forget the name, uh, but you know, if, a decent amount of time ago, uh, a religious leader took the idea or the passages, passages about reincarnation out of the Bible because they didn't like how that kind of presented as a religion or whatever. But there, there are these references to reincarnation throughout most major religions. And what I've come to realize with these esoteric ideas is that if there's like a common thread in multiple schools of thought or multiple, you know, threads in different ideas of philosophy, there's probably something to it. Uh, and one of them is reincarnation. But like you said, the takeaway should be that, okay, we have our past lives. We have come back here to experience this again. Then let's go full ball in that. It doesn't matter uh, what happens really after because you don't have any, like you'll figure it out when you get there. Right now, mm -hmm. right here, you're experiencing this dimension and you are this human life. And I think it's a balance of understanding that like, Yes, I'm here, I'm experiencing, I'm learning and having that mindset to take you through any of the trials and tribulations and understanding that everything happens for a reason to learn and even the toughest things or especially the toughest things are there to teach you something. Whether or not you can see the, the, the good outcome, um, like you, you had a reason to experience that and that's even if past lives don't exist, that's the best mentality to go into anything with. It's like, what do I, what can I learn from this situation? How can I be better? Um, because otherwise, if you, again, that idea of resistance to everything, if you're reacting all the time and being upset about the past and worried about the future, that's not gonna be a good experience of this 3D reality, even if it does just end at the end of this human life. Right, I mean, <clears throat> I'm still skeptical of my belief in the Bible. I know books have been taken out and you know, things have been rewritten and manipulated and I'm pretty sure there, you know, there's some people who believe that Jesus was actually an Essene. And if you look into the Essene teachings, you know, they talk all about reincarnation and stuff like that. And I'm pretty sure I could be wrong, but reincarnation may have been mentioned in like Jewish mysticism, which, you know, Christianity is a uh, offshoot of uh, yeah. Judaism. But, um, so I still am very skeptical of things like maybe my Jesus synchronicities were literally a product of my own mind because that's what I was focused on at the time or yeah. were they really answered prayers? I don't know. 
So I'm still like holding on loosely to my beliefs and just entertaining different models of reality. And it does seem that we create whichever model we believe in. And personally, I just believe the Jesus model of reality is one of the most powerful ones I found. It's one of the most white-pilled ones I found. Yeah. But um, regardless of all that, I'm still very interested in getting like a past life regression. Um, mm. I haven't done that yet, but it's something I'm looking into. Um, it's like there's like these quantum hypnosists or hyp quantum hypnotists um, that do these things, and I'm. The, you know, there's the, uh, these offices everywhere all over America. I'll I'll send you the information about. It. I forget exactly what it's called right now. Cool. But I'm like very interested. I'm very interested in that because like I do have irrational fears as well. Like I have this super horrible fear of great white sharks, and I have no idea why. Because yeah. like I've, I've <laughs> never seen I've ne I've never seen one, but I can barely look at a picture of it even on my phone without like cringing. Like I just. Yeah. It's so hard for me. Yeah. And, and Krakens and Krakens too, but that's why I'm obsessed with them. I Ooh. find it fascinating. Cool. And another super weird thing that I don't like to talk about much because I don't want to sound like Edgar Casey or one of these other weirdos, but like after writing my book about the Saturn time cube, um, which is, you know, all about the Tesseract, someone sent me this Wikipedia page about Charles Howard Hinton. Um, you know, so we have the same last name, and this dude is literally the guy who invented the term Tesseract, and he wrote all these books about the fourth dimension, and he really popularized the idea, and you wow. know, that's who inspired Crowley and um, H.P. Lovecraft and um, Borges, um, like a, a lot of my favorite like strange fiction authors and writers. So it's super mm. weird, um, and maybe that has something to do with like epigenetic memory. Yeah. Because like his kids, um, he was born in the UK and then his kids died in Columbus, Ohio. My dad was born in Mansfield, Ohio, so it wasn't too far away. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just look at this guy's picture and it looks fucking just like me. It's so weird. Um, <laughs> it, it's so weird. It's like, it's so weird. But um, yeah, and actually like I was all into this idea of dimension jumping. Like there was science fiction authors who took all of Charles's ideas and like made the idea of dimension jumping. Um, some of Crowley, I think it was a, one of Crowley's students who actually wrote the first thing, uh, first book about Tesseract magic, which was the first dimension jumping technique. And um, yeah, there, there's a lot more about him that I'm forgetting, but I find that really bizarre. And I would love to know, you know, if I got a past life reading, like yeah. what they would say, if, if anything at all about Charles. What is the Tesseract? So the Tesseract is the four dimensional version of a 3D cube. So like basically the easiest way to describe it, it looks like a cube within a cube, but that's because, you know, if you were to take a three dimensional cube that was like translucent and you were to cast a shadow on it, you would see a square within a square, right? Hmm. And so, but basically, you know, there's, you know, Charles believed that the fourth dimension was time. And so the Tesseract would be a, a cube with a dimension of time added to it. So basically time in the fourth dimension, if you were a fourth dimensional being, you could travel through time the same way you walk through 3D space. Yeah. So this time cube is like, it's kind of hard to explain, but I hope that kind of makes sense. So I guess the other question then is like the, the Saturn time cube, which is one of your book, 
what a, what one of your books is about. How is that related to us? Okay, so the same way I was talking about, like the shadow of a cube. If you were to take, you know, a solid cube and turn it at a certain angle, you could cast the light on top of it, and the shadow would be that of a hexagon. Or like, you know, in school, even when you yeah. would draw those like cubes and you would doodle, you would draw like kind of like a hexagon, connect some lines on the inside of it and you'd get yeah. a cube. So there is, at least according to NASA, I, you know, like I said, I'm questioning everything all the time. I don't even know if planets are real, but according to NASA, <laughs> there's, there, <laughs> there's, according to NASA, there's a hexagon on Saturn's North Pole and all throughout time, the ancients, you know, said that Saturn was the god of time. And then you have this hexagon on top of it, which seems to be a reference to the cube because there's a bunch of ancient religions that, you know, pay homage to the god Saturn, the god of time through these giant cubes, these giant black cubes. Yeah. So the Saturn time cube is literally just about those weird synchronicities um, and how Saturn might literally be Satan, the ruler of this planet at this time. Wow. So Saturn, <laughs> just, just, just to clear that up, you know, Hexagon has six sides on it. Saturn is the sixth planet. The sixth day of the week is Saturn day, the original yeah. Sabbath. So Saturn sounds a lot like Satan. I'm sure there's some etymological, you know, yeah. deep digging yeah. we could do there that would connect the two. But yeah, that's the gist of it. Yeah, I mean, talk about rabbit holes. And interestingly, the myth of Kronos, Saturn, the god of time, is that he used to rule this planet during the golden age. And he heard a prophecy that one day one of his kids would usurp him as king. So, you know, his, his only rational thought was, you know, I'm going to start eating all my kids. Mm. And... You know, one of these kids ends up surviving and becomes Zeus and, you know, overthrows him. And I think that might have something to do with Jesus overthrowing Satan because Jupiter is Zeus, Jupiter is Jesus. But regardless, I find it interesting because that seemed, that myth seems to be where the idea of, you know, child sacrifice comes from, you know, yeah. what, what, the Sat what the Satanists do. Yeah. Trying to prolong their life through, you know, seeking this elixir of immortality, which is, in my opinion you know, young people's blood. I mean, they're even talking about this in Forbes magazine, so it's not too far of a stretch. Yeah, I mean, biologically, that makes sense. Like, from a Western view, if you put young blood inside you, you, you know, be revitalized or whatever. But yeah, there's probably, there is a lot of like, the base level is like, oh yeah, healthy young people donate some blood and then people that have money buy that blood and there's a transfusion and it's all well above board. But there are probably some less than uh, less than good intentions with how it all started. And obviously um, ritual sacrifice and everything is, is where it had its roots. So I'd stay away from all that business. But, right, right. Um, it, it is very yeah. interesting. That was the black pill I had to take in order to come to the conclusion that we're all co-creators. I mean, I always knew it intuitively, but you know, I had to go through studying that deep, dark shit and experiencing dark synchronicities in order to come around to, oh, I need to consume better things. I need to use my time wiser. Like, like I need, like it was necessary yeah. in those moments, but you know, I couldn't focus on those things forever. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I could, I basically I just needed to see that darkness to realize, like I said earlier, that a wise man creates his own light. Yeah, you don't want to stare too long to the abyss. It'll stare right, back exactly. at you. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh man, I've got a lot to a lot to think about now, and <laughs> I think that's enough uh, mind blowing for us to to have done here. But Nick Hinton, thank you so much for joining me. Soul Cars back uh, from a brief hiatus, but why don't you mention your books? I don't, are you still printing those? Because I have the Aquarian Singularity, which has been awesome. Yet to delve into Saturn Time Cube, but um, why don't you just give us what you're working on and and where people can reach you? Yeah, so my Twitter is N-I-C-K-H-I-N-T-O-N-N. My Instagram is the same. If you're interested in the two books, you can DM me on either one and I'll let you know how to order them. Um, I was going to be done printing them, but I think I'm going to do a, print a few more batches and then, you know, it's becoming kind of over, overwhelming. So I think I'm going to switch those over to Amazon. Um, I never wanted to do that because I just don't like Amazon, but it seems like the only like logical thing for me to do right now. Yeah. But once I'm still, I'm about to release my third book, which is more about, um, basically the weird synchronistic adventure that I've been going on the past year. And like, I saw UFOs and a whole bunch of crazy stuff and I kind of just like it's more autobiographical and I kind of document that and the theories that I have for exactly what was going on but um that one I will print myself again and then deliver those personally and then I'll do that indefinitely until I feel like I have to switch that, that over to Amazon as well but I do like personalizing them and you know doing it myself to an extent it just it's been getting crazy lately and the USPS is not the most reliable because of COVID and everything but yeah. Yeah. If you want to find if you want to find me and order the books, it's N I C K H I N T O N N on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome, man. Well, thank you again so much. Um, I'll, I'm sure I'll speak to you again soon. But this has been Soulcast with Nick Hinton. Thank you, everyone. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Ciao.